0: to uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and when you get there find verse 25 and today we're kind of kicking off our Thanksgiving holiday season by talking about thanking God being thankful to God thank you God we ought to be saying that more often amen thank you God verse 25 when you get there the writer says see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. With reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come before you humbly in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for drawing us to this place, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of walking with you in this life. We thank you, God, for the privilege of belonging to your family and to be able to say thank you for all your many blessings, Lord. Thank you, Lord, when we're discouraged, you're always faithful. That when we are defeated, you're always victorious. That you're always there with us no matter what. No matter what goes on in our life, you never abandon us and leave us. Instead, you come to our rescue. You are a great God and Father. We thank and praise you for that. Today, we thank you for so many things, Lord. We thank you for speaking to us personally, drawing us into your family, drawing us into your presence, drawing us into your salvation. We thank you uh, for speaking grace, and we thank you for Your salvation as well, Lord. How great you are each and every day to us. We don't deserve you, Father, and yet you've given us your Son and yourself and your Spirit, and we praise you for this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. November is the month that we celebrate Thanksgiving here in America. Um, Being thankful is a big part of the Christian life. Isn't that right? Amen. Yeah. And after all, it was Christians who started the Thanksgiving tradition here in America. They didn't start it in England or any part of the other part of the world. They started right here in America. In 1621, the Thanksgiving Day holiday began with the pilgrims at Plymouth Rock in Plymouth, Massachusetts. They thanked God for his many blessings, mainly for the harvest that they had just taken in. They would see them through the the following winter, that very winter, and they included with them a group of Native Americans who helped them survived the previous winter by giving them food from their own stores. Later in 1623, a Thanksgiving holiday was, uh, was announced. It was actually ordered by Governor William Bradford, the governor of the Plymouth, uh, Plymouth Plantation Colony. And he planned the celebration for Thanksgiving that year himself, and he included a worship service in it. So the pilgrims who started all of this thing called Thanksgiving also made sure to thank God to have a worship service To praise God. And while we're not quite to Thanksgiving on the calendar yet, I want us to kick it off a little earlier this year. Until 1682, Thanksgiving proclamations were mainly made by clergymen and other leaders in the churches throughout New England. Then during the Revolutionary War, Thanksgiving proclamations were made throughout the various years of that war, beginning with John Hancock as president of the Continental Congress. He issued a proclamation to have a Thanksgiving celebration. General George Washington led the Army, the Revolutionary Continental Army, to have a celebration of Thanksgiving. And even the Continental Congress passed a law, an order, a bill. Back then they passed bills in Congress. They don't do that so much anymore, but they did then. And the one that they did then thank God for his many favors in the cause of their freedom and ours as well. You know, I didn't say this earlier, and I should have. Today, tomorrow is Veterans Day, Right. We should thank our veterans. If you're a veteran, we want to say thank you today. Amen. Now, yeah. we want to thank you for serving in this country, for serving this country through the military. But back to Thanksgiving. Uh, George Washington, as our first president, as our first national president, proclaimed the first national Thanksgiving holiday in America on November 26. 1789, listen to what he said. He said it was to be a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many favors of Almighty God. George Washington, the President of the United States, was willing to acknowledge God in His favors and to thank Him. Thanksgiving is a wonderful holiday, amen? It is a wonderful holiday. Families come together and they strengthen each other. Many times friends are included, neighbors. There always seems to be lots to eat, plenty to eat. It's a time of, of satisfaction where we realize how blessed we are and how, how God has been good to us. It's a time of indulgence where we eat lots of food and, and eat lots of uh, pie and things like that. Maybe a little too much indulgence, right? Yeah. That's the only downfall of Thanksgiving. Maybe just a little too much pines, things like that. It's a wonderful holiday. But what should we be thankful for? What should we be thankful for as a people? If we follow the example set by the pilgrims and the founding fathers like George Washington, the one thing that we should put at the top of our list should always be we should be thankful for our relationship with God. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. God has abundantly blessed us I say that in affirmative for you too. I believe God has blessed all of us abundantly each and every day. Some way God blesses us. Well, he even made it possible for us to know Him. One of the greatest blessings of all is to know our Creator, know our Father in Heaven, know the One who, who gave us meaning and purpose for life, who put us here for a reason. I'm thankful for my relationship with God. It's changed me. It's changed the direction of my life. 30 years ago, God moved in my life and He spoke to me in a powerful way. And I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord. And I've never been the same ever since. I'm still not where I need to be. I I, I, I have to acknowledge that to God and to you. I'm still a sinner saved by grace, but I'm nothing like what I was before. I think think that's so important for all of us to, to share with others. I think that God speaks to people is one of the most intriguing aspects of the Christian faith. I was raised as a Roman Catholic, and and really you didn't think about God speaking in a personal way. You thought about God speaking through the priest. Whatever the priest said, that's what God wanted us to know or to hear. But God speaks. I think that is an incredibly intriguing aspect of the Christian faith. We ought to be emphasizing that more as Christians, that God speaks to us personally. Looking at your outline on the back of your bulletin this morning, number one, thank God for speaking this year. If you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, God has spoken to you somehow, some way, and we need to thank God for that. You need to thank God for that. Now, that God speaks today is not some wacky, mystical kind of idea. It's not some aberration of of, uh, a remark. We're not crazy because we believe this. We should believe. The Bible teaches us that we should believe that God speaks to a person individually, and that person can have that personal relationship with God. Look at verse 25. He says, see to it that you do not refuse Him who speaks. The Bible says right here, very clearly, God speaks. He speaks personally because it says, speak to you that you do not refuse Him who speaks. If they don't escape when they refuse Him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from Him who warns us from heaven? Think about that. God reaches down into this world to speak to us from the throne of heaven. Now, God spoke first on earth. and He spoke to lots of different people, to various peoples at various times and various places. God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. It's like we sang that song, He walks with me and He talks to me. that's talking about Adam and Eve in the garden. He spoke lovingly to them, and then He spoke harshly because of their sin. He spoke to Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. He also spoke to Peter and James and John and Paul, and they all listened to Him. Now, the divine act of speaking is not defined or described completely in the Bible. It's not fully explained in the Bible. It is assumed, though, that the reader understands God was speaking literally, audibly to those people because the, because the people of God responded as if God had spoken literally and audibly to him, to them. The Bible says also in Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 3, one of my favorite passages of the New Testament. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in many ways. But in these last days, He spoke to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things to through whom He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. God spoke through His Son in a very powerful, powerful way to us, showing us and telling us. Who Jesus is? What if God had never spoken at all? What if God had never spoken in the Old Testament era through the prophets? Or those other people? What if God had never spoken? What if God had never spoken through Jesus Christ? What if Jesus Christ had never come to this world to show us who God is? What if God had never spoken? How would we know God? How would we know God's blessings? I don't know that we would. Do you? I don't know. Maybe he would have found another way. I don't know. I'm just thankful that God has spoken and that he has spoken to me personally. Amen. And so this year, I'm thankful that God speaks. I'm thankful God speaks to you and to others as well and draws people to salvation. I'm thankful that God speaks to young people and old people and all kinds of different people. It doesn't matter their skin color or where they come from. God speaks. And today when God speaks, he speaks through Scripture. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He uses the Holy Spirit. To speak to us. The Holy Spirit guides us when we read the Scriptures or when we hear a message preached from the Scriptures. This is why it's important that when you have a preacher in a church that he preaches from the Bible because the Bible is God's Word and God speaks through the Scriptures. It's so important. The church has Bible-believing and Bible-preaching pastors. Verse 25 has a, a warning at the very beginning. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. I I would echo that today. Don't refuse it when he speaks to you. Don't turn away when God God speaks to you, when he talks to you. It might be in the dead of night. It might be when you're opening up your Bible and reading in the morning. It might be through a song on the radio that uh, you listen to from the Christian radio station. It might be anything. It might be here. It might be when you leave and you go in the parking lot and you remember something from the service, a song that was sung or a prayer that was prayed or something from the message. God will speak through you different times. Not just in this room. He'll speak to you through, through your whole life. In the hospital, the funeral home. In your backyard. Don't refuse Him. Many people throughout history have refused God when He spoke to them. And they paid the price for them. The Hebrews that Moses led out of Egypt got all the way through the desert to the promised land. And God said, go in and take it. It's yours. I've given it to you. You'll have it. It belongs to you even now. And they refused. They thought the people living there were bigger than their God. Isn't that something? Never let anything become bigger than God to you. Nothing. Not your fear. Not your lack of faith. Not your discouragement. Not your defeats. Nothing is bigger than God. Don't let anything ever become bigger to you than God. So what happened to those people? They died in the desert. And the Bible says they weren't allowed into God's rest, meaning His presence. Those people who had less faith in their God than in the fear of those giants. They lost the promised land on earth. They lost the promised land of heaven. that's something. So when you turn away and you refuse to listen to God, guess what? You're going to pay a price. Something is going to be taken from you. You won't get something that God has ready for you. So don't refuse Him. Even if it sounds hard. 30 years ago when God spoke to me, it was hard for me to to give myself up to God. Because I didn't trust anybody. Much less a God that I I couldn't see or touch. But He spoke in such a way I had to. He overwhelmed it. I knew that if I didn't respond to Him, I knew that if I didn't obey Him, that I would miss something wonderful. A life walking through, a life of walking with him. Thank God that he still speaks. So when you sit down for Thanksgiving dinner with your family and friends, thank God, even if it's just in your heart, thank God that he speaks. Don't refuse him when he does. Second of all, number two, thank God for speaking with grace. If you're saved today through faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved by grace and grace alone. So thank him for that. During the Old Testament era, God didn't always act with grace. He did at times, but He didn't always act with grace. Sometimes He became very angry, and when God gets angry, He moves His creation. Because He can. Because He's the Creator. In Exodus 20, verse 19, the people had gone to the mountain. God said to Moses, take the people to the mountain. Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai. That's where I want you to go, for there you will worship Me. And so He takes the people there. In Exodus 29, and when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They saw this mountain. It's as if they had walked out to the Rockies in Colorado and saw the mountains. And all around the mountain was this was this smoke and this fire. And they heard a trumpet and they heard the thunder and the lightning flashing. And it was, it wasn't earthly. It was something totally different. It was God moving on that mountain. And they stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to, you, to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. They were so afraid of God, they didn't want to hear Him speak. In Psalm 68, verse 7 and 8, David said this, after going through a very harsh time in his life, a very difficult time in his life, he said, when you went out before your people, O God, when you marched to the wasteland, the earth shook. This is David experiencing God in his life. He said, the earth shook and the heavens poured down rain before God, the one God of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. God moved and David saw it. God moved and experienced it. God moved the earth. And David rejoiced over that. Thankfully though, most of the time, God speaks with grace. That quiet voice of grace, that soft voice of grace that we all need when we're not feeling too good, when we're all struggling. He speaks softly with grace. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. Because of his great love for you, for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. Even when we were dead in our sin, transgressions is sin. Iniquity, wickedness, sin. Even though we were dead in those things, He made us alive because of His good grace for us. Someday God will move this world again. Look at verse 26 with me. Verse 26. At that time His voice shook the earth, but now He has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Hmm. Verse 6 is talking about the day when Jesus comes back. We don't talk enough about that either, do we? We don't don't talk enough about Jesus coming back in the church, and we ought to. It's talking about when Jesus comes back and, and the end comes, and when He comes back, He will judge all people of all places and all times. It will be a day the universe will literally be shaken by its Creator. It will be a day of grace and a day of condemnation. You see, if Jesus is your Savior and Lord, guess what, on that day, you won't be shaken. You have nothing to worry about. Because of God's grace is already on you. You're covered in it. God's people won't be shaken. We will be kept safe and secure in God's mighty grip. He won't let us be shaken. John 10, verse 27 to 29. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, Jesus says, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand, Jesus said. My Father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. See, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, guess what? You're already being held in God's hand. He's already got a hold of you. And the world will shake you, but God never will. And on that day when Jesus comes back, we will have nothing to worry about because we're already covered in God's grace. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. That's what that means. It's getting what we do not deserve. Because of our sin, we don't deserve anything good from God. We don't deserve another day, another hour, another minute of life. But yet God gives it to us. We don't deserve anything good from God. Yet God gives gives His good things to everybody. He offers grace to all. And all we have to do, all anyone has to do is listen and respond to Him. He expressed His grace through His Son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, who died there on the cross for our sins sins of the world, to give us hope, to give us a different life, to, to just open up our hearts and minds to how, who, how, how great God really is. That's called salvation. Point number three this morning. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for salvation. Look at verse 28. Therefore, since we, can, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God. Is a consuming fire. Thank God for His salvation. What does the Bible mean when it says shake? We're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It means to literally move something. To literally move something, and in the sense of the second coming, it means to move something to the point it will never be the same again. That's what's going to happen when Jesus returns. The universe, the stars in the sky, the planets around the sun, the sun itself, and the moon and the earth, everything will be shaken to the point that nothing will ever be the same again. That includes you and I. I mean, I mean people. You and I will be safe. I'm sorry, but um, that includes people. People will be shaken. Because people are part of the created order. You and I are safe. Why are we caught up at the end? When Jesus comes back, why does the rapture happen? Because we're, we're safe with God. We're not going to be shaken. And that's the power of Almighty God. But there is something that can't be shaken. What is that? It's God Himself. God can't be shaken. And if we're in His hand, we won't be shaken because He won't let it. Look at the end of verse 28. Let us therefore be thankful and so worship God acceptly with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. So often we come to Sunday worship or to our daily quiet time and we're tired and we're wore down and we're kind of defeated. The cares of life have just kind of taken us apart and kind of wore us out. Sometimes we come to God and we're discouraged. And we feel like we're defeated, that the world has just beat us down. But then we open his word or we hear a song and we begin to read the scriptures. And he speaks to us again with words like verse 28 saying to us, I won't let go of you. I'm not going to let go of you. You might be shaken by life, but not by me. God says, I'm not going to shake you and I won't let you be shaken. Thank God for His salvation. His salvation has several aspects that we need to understand. He saves us from more than just, for just, more than just from our sin, but that's part of it. He saves us from the old life we used to live when sin was ruling over us. Then there's our salvation from the poor decisions that we made or the mistakes we've made that are still dogging our tracks or coming after us. He saves us from that. Redeems us from that as well. And then there's eternal salvation. He saves us eternally. Salvation that says death is not to be feared. That sin is overcome. That we will have a life with God in heaven when our lives on earth are done. That's His salvation. And that means that death no longer needs to be feared. That we can instead look forward to being with him forever. In Second Corinthians one, verse twenty to twenty two, Paul wrote this Listen, for no matter what, I'm sorry, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. We acknowledge God saying yes to us, accepting us through Christ, and we say amen to that, to his glory. So when you say amen, you're praising him in a way. Now as God who made both us and you stand firm in Christ, in Christ. We don't stand firm in our faith alone. We stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guarantee what is coming. Wow. We have the Holy Spirit who is the security that God has placed in us for our salvation. He's a seal. He seals us to God. He seals us as gods. That's why Satan can't put that mark or won't be able to put a mark on God's people because we'll be sealed. Our salvation also means we can always go to God. No matter what we've done during that day or the week, we can always go to God. He'll never refuse us because of His mercy and His grace. Think of mercy and grace as support beams that hold up a building. They're that strong. Think of them as steps to God as well. We can always go to God. Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Have you ever felt you needed more mercy? Sometimes you do. Have you ever felt like you needed more grace? Sometimes you do. We all do. That's the great thing of God. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Jesus, I I Come is the invitation song today. We invite you to listen as you sing. This song, And we invite you to respond to God when He speaks to you. Maybe to accept Christ as your Savior and Lord. Maybe to join the church family. Maybe to rededicate your life and start over in your relationship with God. Let God speak through this song as we sing. Let, His, let Him pour His grace, His mercy into your life. Let's stand together and pray.